0: The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. Your dial is currently tuned into to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1. Thanks for listening. good evening everyone my name is janini kekwa and i'm currently the public affairs director starting next week there will actually be a new public affairs director his name is brian but for today's episode we have two news stories the first one will be with weekly news with abigail emily and heidi and the next one is going to be also more news with carl brayden and anna we hope you enjoy today's episode
1: Hello guys, this is Eye on the Triangle, my name is Abigail Ali, I am the news editor now at Technician, um, usually Avery Davis is here with me, but she's graduating and if you heard last week's segment, she is not going to be here any longer and we're super sad but the good news is today I'm joined with two new news, uh, assistant news editors and yeah, you want to introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Heidi.
2: I'm the new assistant
3: news editor for Technician. I'm Emily. I'm another assistant news editor for Technician. And they're going to be joining us. Um,
1: If you haven't listened to the Technician Eye on the Triangle segment, we usually just bring in like three little tidbits each week and talk about what's going going on around Raleigh and Durham and nearby places. And we kind of just react to them. So yeah, let's get started. So my first tidbit this week is about Triangle Small Business Week. So this event starts from May 1st and goes to May 7th, and it is about small businesses that will be hosting cool events throughout the week. They may still be accepting event ideas at the moment, so if you want to submit events for your own business, or if you just want to know about what's going on and join in on the fun You can add the events to your calendar by going to the website that they have. Um, One thing that I love about Raleigh and working for News at Technician and Eye on the Triangle is that I find the coolest small businesses all the time. And my most favorite days are spent running around town, checking them all out. So I am so excited for a Triangle Small Business Week and will be keeping an eye on these events as they come up.
3: Yeah, that's actually like really cool. I didn't know they were going to do that but I feel like it's good because like I'm a freshman so I don't really like come I don't I haven't been around like the triangle much yeah so it's like a good way to like find things to do and like discover new places I love doing that yeah exactly
2: do you know any of the specific businesses that are participating
1: I didn't look that closely at the (laughs) schedule yet I probably should have um yeah I'm not sure from what I saw it wasn't ones that I usually go to which is even more exciting cuz like you said it's a great excuse to just like figure out what's out there. I'm still going to be checking in on it cuz I really hope some of my favorite stores like Edge of Urge start participating in
3: it, but we'll see.
2: That's super exciting then. Yeah, yeah, is it like
3: all like restaurants or are there just like a ton of different types of small businesses?
1: I think it's any small businesses, like I think one of the rural centers or something had something going on, and that's a rural oh. center, so I don't even know. Yeah, that is So I guess it's anything.
2: <laughs> okay, so my tidbit was on a North Carolina garden guide that has just been released and the easiest herbs to grow in your windowsill or other indoor spaces this summer, which I thought was a great idea because a lot of us are students and we don't have a lot of room for like full-fledged gardens, but we still want to grow plants and that. So according to this garden guide, the three best herbs to grow in North Carolina are basil, cilantro, and dill. And all three of these plants will only grow to the extent that their pot allows them. So it's super easy to take care of them because they are small and they all need partial shade. And when you're growing these plants, be careful not to make any common beginner errors. Don't over or under water and start with smaller plants and do not skimp on sunlight. And I also thought this was really a cute article because plants make really good decor
1: and They also can spice up your food or drinks. Wait, that is so cute. I didn't even think about that, like having general North Carolina herbs and stuff.
2: No, it's super helpful because like I'm really bad at taking care of plants personally. I kill all mine. So these are really good ones that like are hard to kill. So I thought that was great. Yeah, Yeah, I like that.
3: I haven't ever tried to like grow a live plant. I always just do fake ones because I really don't trust myself. But I feel like that sounds like pretty... Pretty easy. If you do it on your windowsill and you don't have to like repot them a lot. Right. I'm trying to branch out from the fake plants because like it's really cool to be able to eat what you grow too. So yeah, that's true. Like imagine like cooking pasta and using that. Like that'd be fun. Yeah yeah facts and you can go to the farmer's market and
1: find plants so yeah yeah. also i was going to mention the other really good place i like to get plants is
2: logan's garden shop oh i haven't been there yet they have such cute plants and like they have lots of pots and like it's decently priced too Mm -hmm. so also local business yeah yeah very
3: nice okay so my first article um well this isn't really an article this is just like an ongoing event but um, I stumbled across the calendar on the Dorothy Dix Park website, and I didn't realize how many free events they have, which is so nice because I'm trying to branch out from doing, like, hanging out with my friends and just going out to eat all the time because I yeah. spend too much money. <laughs> so um, they have this series called Get Fix at Dix at 6 p.m. a few times a week, and you can do Tai Chi or yoga in the flower field. Wait, um, and oh it's completely gosh. free. And I thought You're it was just—I know it's so nice, and especially. Like, it's the perfect season to do that right now. Like, now yeah. that it is, like, lighter out. And so, like, you know, it, it, at 6 p.m., it's going to be, like, perfect. Like, it's going to be dusk. So it's not going to be, like, super light out, but it'll be, like, really nice. And then also, it's just, like, great weather. Um, My only reservation is that it's in a flower field, and I feel like I could just see myself, like, freaking out. Because, like, bees are, like, flowers <laughs> or something. I just know that would happen to me, like, that happened yeah. to me before. And I just feel like... It'd be fun to try, but I'm worried about the bees. So there's like an fun. instructor, and you just show up. Yeah, I think so. It's all on the website, wow. so if you want to find out more, you can just like check out that it's slash calendar Or I just like googled it. Yeah, and it comes up. But yeah, and they have them like all the time. So it's really cool. They have like a ton of options. That
1: is so cool. I did not know Dorothea Dix had that. And I've been dying to go to a yoga class, but they're so expensive low key. Yeah, that's so true. Oh my God. Yeah, it's fun because it's outside too. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's so nice. So for my second tidbit, I am going to be talking about The Optimist. On April 15th, my favorite coffee shop in Raleigh, The Optimist, announced that they are going to be hosting a bi weekly open mic night starting April 22nd. The events will be hosted by Neptune's Comedy and will start at 7 p.m. If you don't know what The Optimist is yet, and it is like the best coffee shop ever in Raleigh, and it has the cutest drinks all the time. Like, they always do seasonal stuff, like different fruits and stuff. Ooh. Like, I don't know. And like the coolest combinations of coffee ever, and I don't know, it's always so exciting. And they also have the best food, and they also host like so many events all the time. And it's just the best place in the entire world. And I highly recommend it. And so when I saw that they were adding a new event, I was like, oh yeah, we got to talk about this because it's just, I love them so much. <laughs> That's
3: so cool. I've never heard of them. What's your favorite? What's your like recommendation for your coffee order? I like their matcha personally, but Ooh. also
1: their seasonal coffees are always so good i've never had anything that's bad there i don't think wow like their food is also insanely good which is weird for a coffee shop i feel like
3: yeah do they have like like lunch food or like is it more of like a bakery
1: they have like breakfast foods and then like lunch sandwiches i think is more their thing i've always had stuff that's like on english muffins there and like it's never missed it's never so good i'll have to try that which it's also
2: so exciting because open mic nights are so entertaining because there's like people who are so talented that show up and then people who are like completely unhinged that
1: also (laughs) show up and it's really entertaining yeah Yeah. Yeah. i love it and it's going to be held on their little patio which is at the back of the restaurant and i don't know it's so cute i love it you check that out you should i highly recommend
2: Okay, so my next little tidbit is on the Art to Wear show. Art to Wear is a student-run fashion show of wearable art created by students. And the final show is taking place in Tally at 7 p.m. next Wednesday, so April 27th. And designers had to have two outfits back in October to be judged and critiqued by a jury in order to be in the show. And now they have finished collections of about five to seven outfits each. So... This is really cool. I think because designers are given a theme and they're challenged to show, show their own perspective on the theme. This year's theme was dissonance, and there's little sneak peeks of each designer's collection on ArtWear's Instagram. And if you go and look at them, they're really cool. So just to shout out a few, Owen Snape's collection is called Patched, and he took like thrifted and secondhand materials to make his entire collection, which was really cool. And then Chiana Royals' collection is titled Eris after the goddess of chaos. And, like, if you look at her outfits, they are super chaotic, but also, like, super well-made and beautiful, the same. And then Nicole Schumann's collection is called Sex, and it looks at society's stigma against dressing outside of gender norms. And there are lots of other collections that kind of, like, make social statements using the theme. So I thought that was very cool. And tickets are still on sale for the show, if anyone is interested in going.
3: That's so interesting. I think that's so cool. I like the idea of having a theme. I feel like that it's just, like, a cool way to see everyone's, like, brain go to different ideas and, like, all under one theme and concept.
2: Yeah, and if you go and look look at the previous years online, you can see the theme and you can see all, like, the previous designers and what they did. And like, every collection is so different. So it's interesting to see what each designer comes up with.
1: Yeah, I watched last year's show and, like, I covered it for Technician and it was just so exciting to talk to them, like, talk to the designers about their like creative processes and stuff like for their collections and like the products are so impressive for just like college students hand making stuff from like sometimes raw materials or recycled materials it's so impressive right and a lot
2: of the designers aren't from like the textiles college they're from like the college of design so like they're required to teach themselves how to sew and like do all these things in order to make these outfits so it's super impressive and time consuming
3: yeah that's really cool Um, So my next one I thought was a really cute news story. Um, So it's about this, like, fourth grader from Durham. His name's Frank Dumas, D-U-M-A-S. But he won a trip to Washington, D.C. because he won the Duke Regional Spelling Bee. Um, And so he beat, like, 37 other students. So he's going to represent Durham um, at the National Spelling Bee on June 2nd. And he's going to be one of 200 students competing. So I thought that was really cool and, like, cool to see someone from a local school go um and he's like super cute the picture of him on the news and observer website it was just like so cute I'm excited for him even though I don't know him <laughs> that's a fun experience Aww. oh my god that is so cute good for him I know that's so impressive spelling bees stress me out I could never do
2: that but watching him blows my mind every time
3: yeah I feel like I would just get so like confused under the pressure of just having to spell it off like the top of my head. Yeah, I know. Especially as such
1: a like a small person. Yeah. I feel like that, yeah, they <laughs> get I asked so, so many like complicated ones. I don't mm-hmm. even know if I could do it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For my last tidbit, we're gonna talk about Raleigh tiny houses. Coming soon, forty five hundred square foot houses are going to be made into a tiny village somewhere in Raleigh. I don't remember where exactly, but it's coming. The $5 million project is intended to create a community for people living nomadic lifestyles. The houses will be op- open floor plans and very modern. Um, the village will have a community mansion also that will have open amenities like workspaces and just like, I guess like open living rooms and stuff. So you don't have to be stuck in a teeny tiny house. You'll have places to go and hang out if you feel a little claustrophobic um according to raw today the prices of living in the houses will begin at five hundred dollars a year plus a one thousand dollar sign-on fee and tenants can stay from a day up to a year which is like that price is crazy like i wonder if it's even true because like yeah. five hundred dollars for a year what
3: <laughs> yeah it makes me wonder if like how utilities in work, but like if they're paying oh, yeah. for utilities, I mean maybe it's cheaper because utilities might be cheaper.
2: Yeah, and I wonder if they're furnished too, or if you have to do that yourself. True. Yeah,
3: I'm so intrigued. I want to know I, so much more. The what's community a, mansion. Yeah, what's in the
2: mansion? I want to know more about that <laughs> oh part. Like, what's the point of living in a tiny house if you have like a little mansion exactly. next door to go to? <laughs> the community
3: mansion is what threw me for a loop. I was
1: like, yeah. hey, what? <laughs> Especially because they call it a mansion. Like, it's yeah. not just like because apartments always
3: have like the clubhouse or whatever. Mm-hmm it's a mansion like what (laughs) what do you mean they specified that it's funny and it's funny because like i've heard so much like hype around like the whole like minimalist lifestyle like just like live a simple life but i feel like that's a little bit negated by having a mansion that you go to like to hang out i mean it's nice to have that space but it's also just funny because if you're going for like the simplicity of a tiny house yeah you could also go to the mansion it's just a funny like way to live. But I, also, like, I like oh, it though. That price, I might literally move in there
1: because oh, yeah. oh my gosh, that's a literally. steal. it will be
2: fun. Yeah.
1: I want to see what 40 tiny houses look like all in one little space. True. I need to see it.
3: I feel like that's a good way to solve some of the like Raleigh housing issues, you know, because people always talk about how hard it is to find mm-hmm. housing. Like maybe we should just start doing tiny houses instead. I wonder
2: if students will live in there if it's gonna be like close enough to campus. So I was, was wondering that too because yeah. student housing like the pricing is through the roof right True. now so that'd be a good student yeah, housing option
1: i want to say this i'm looking at the website and i think it tells where it's supposed to be built where did it say rock quarry road um i don't really know where that is i have no idea where it's that 10 is minutes from downtown but i don't know in which direction um yeah that's a good question
2: okay so my final tidbit is on the interactive van gogh exhibit that is coming to raleigh so it was expected to open in March, but this has again been pushed back. It was supposed to open April 21st, tomorrow, and the organizer said the exhibit will not be ready on that date, so they are going to move it again. They have not announced the new date, though. And according to the organizers of this event, this the production is extremely complex and complicated and just has really taken a long time to get set up. So tickets have been on sale since last year, but the a location was just announced and it's going to be at Pleasant Valley just off Glenwood Avenue. Interesting. Yeah, and the exhibit includes 360 degree projections of two story like projections of Van Gogh's most famous work, which sounds really cool. Virtual realities as well as a space for visitors to create their own paintings that they can also project upon the walls. And although no new date has been set, it has really good ratings and sounds like a really cool experience overall. So
3: Yeah that's really cool. I know it was like just in Charlotte and a lot of my friends went and loved it and like I really wish I could have gone so maybe I'll I'll stay in tune to see when it comes to Raleigh or what date or
1: whatever. Yeah I'm
2: hoping it opens up soon because
4: yeah
1: that sounds really cool. Yeah Yeah, me and Avery were talking about it recently and yeah I didn't know they pushed it back and also I didn't know it was such a process to set everything up. That's really interesting. I
2: can't figure out why it's such a process honestly because like You need projectors, then you need, like, the virtual reality, like, goggle things. So I get, like, it's really complicated, but what is taking them so long? I don't know. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I'm sure they had to do it in some, like, big warehouse if it's going to be, like, two Mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, like, what they're doing to set that up. It'd be interesting to do, like, a behind-the-scenes. I want to know what's going on. True. It's cool to see, like, the the behind-the-scenes process of how that works. Yeah.
2: I'm hoping it opens soon because I really want to go, though. So, (laughs)
3: Thanks. Um, so my final story, um, it's just a really touching story. It um it was on the News and Observer, I think. And um I think you guys probably remember hearing about Bender Rose or D. Rose, um, who's the NC State senior who was hit by a car who hit by a driver and killed walking home. Um, but it was like such a tragic story. Um, but they just reported that like his organs were donated to five people and saved their lives. And I thought that was like a really cool um way that he's like living on in these people. Yeah. And they interviewed one of the organ recipients. Um and they said he was like within hours of dying before he got Ben's lungs. And he was like so excited because he said now he can live to see his grandkids. So I thought that was like a really sweet story and it's amazing that he's like had such an impact on so many people now. Oh.
1: That is yeah. sweet. Yeah, that is a
3: nice turnaround for such a sad event. Yeah. It's cool to see like how it's just like now so many people get to like appreciate their life because of him oh
1: that's so sweet (laughs) yeah Yeah. i just thought it was
3: cute
2: yeah that's a good turnaround yeah because that was so sad i still pass by the little memorial and crest sometimes and it's so heartbreaking yeah
1: well guys that is all we have for you this week thanks for joining us and we will see you next time again i'm here well i'm abigail and i'm here with heidi and emily and hopefully we'll start seeing you this summer too bye
5: you are listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM with your host, Caril Espinoza Hine, one of the managing editors at Technician and a DJ at the radio station, although I will not say my DJ name for <laughs> anonymity purposes. With me I have... Greta Knoll
6: And Anna Rose.
5: And they are here with me to report on a story they worked on for Advanced News and article writing about the recent catalytic converter thefts across the Triangle area and COVID. Yeah, do y'all want to give me like a little spiel on the story?
4: Yeah, so we basically broke down the story into three subsections. The first one focusing on COVID-19 and how these thefts kind of coincided with that. We would see, you know, covid surges. And then at the same time or following that, a news story pop up somewhere about a bunch of catalytic converter thefts. Um, And then if Rosie wants to take the next one.
6: Yeah. So we have kind of broken the story down into three parts, um, that being COVID, of course. And then we have kind of media salience, um, which has been attributed to being part of the reason why we hear so much about these thefts, which includes kind of the wolf alerts that we get through the NC State Emergency Messaging System. Um, we spoke with one of the NC State experts on public policy, Dr. Thomas Berkland, um, who said, you know, a lot of the reason why college students in particular have their converters stolen so often is because a lot of the time these cars are sitting kind of dormant in, in parking spaces uh, for extended periods of time. And also, we're just getting these alerts through Wolf Alerts, um, letting us know like, hey, like, just let you know, you know, cut some more on Wolf Village, a catalytic converter has been stolen from a car. Along with COVID and media salience, we are also discussing some of the more recent legislation Um, including the Cleary Act, which does fine and and criminalize the thievery of of catalytic converters, especially those throughout the triangle. And that was signed into uh, legislation by Roy Cooper in 2019.
5: Gotcha. What were you able to find in terms of like, you know, like the rates of catalytic converters being like stolen throughout the year?
6: Yeah, so since COVID and particularly I believe in 2021 the the statistic was gathered that um since the the rise of of COVID-19 or at least the emergence of it here in in the states in March of 2020 uh catalytic converter theft rates went up by 325% uh, which is kind of nuts and along you know with just the general value of catalytic converters on their own um they're also made up of really precious metals like palladium platinum rhodium, which have peaked in value even even since, with palladium being estimated to go between 74 and $700 per gram. Um, so we found that, you know, with people turning in these catalytic converters, uh, they're getting a lot of cash. Um, and part of the legislation actually cracks down on these kind of scrap yards as well, um, and, and junkyards who can accept these catalytic converters. So it definitely puts a penalty on that as well.
5: Were you able to talk to anyone who had their catalytic converters stolen recently?
6: Yeah, so uh, Graydon actually spoke to a few people. I spoke to uh, Jerome Levesey, who runs the Durham and Orange County Boys and Girls Clubs, and they've had three catalytic converters stolen since 2019. Um, a big story came out in 2020 about a theft that happened to them in 2019, where a bunch of their buses um, had their catalytic converters stolen and It was really expensive for them, and they ended up erecting like a 30 foot fence um, around their parking lot, but they incurred a lot of damages from that. The Durham Bulls, the baseball team, ended up uh, doing a fundraising night and helped them to uh, get the money to replace all their catalytic converters.
4: Yeah, and we kind of used that to open our story with kind of like a feel good aspect of it um, how the community rallied uh, behind them to get them back up and running. I actually talked to the secretary of White Plains Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. She was significant because she was one of nine thefts in the area. This was September of twenty one, following a record high of COVID cases. But she said her specific case uh, it wasn't that significant. They were able to get right back on track because it had an extra bus to rely on that morning. But the bigger thing was that it was one of nine in the area. So,
5: aside from like the update on the Clery Act, has there been like anything that you know like authorities or like people have started doing to kind of like I guess help? Have their catalytic converters not get stolen, if that makes sense.
6: Yeah. So along with the Clear Act, which is a little while ago, um, it most recently became, um, you know, obviously it's made in legislation, but it recently became a class one felony um, and it has a mandatory fine of about $1,000 and that was signed um, into um, action uh, September 16th of this past year. And um, that was primarily sponsored by North Carolina Senators Tom McGinnis, Jim Burgeon, and uh, David Craven. Um, As far as making it more difficult to steal catalytic converters, the public policy expert, Dr. Thomas Berkland here at NC State, um, said him and actually a few people on his team are working on um, a band that makes it a lot more difficult to remove from cars because it's, I mean, catalytic converters can be removed as easily as like a snip. It's really not difficult to remove them at all. And they're not really that big. So they're easy to carry around. Um, But he said that they are working on a band, which helps to secure them in place and makes it a lot harder to cut through and actually
4: remove them. Gotcha. Gotcha.
5: I guess like as COVID cases are going down now, like what are you seeing in terms of like catalytic converters have?
4: So we're looking at, you know, what COVID changed with our society um, and that was more people working from home and that meant more cars staying still through long periods of time and that made more people victim or um, susceptible to these thefts. So as things started to open up, people started going back to work, cars got back on the road, it made it a lot more difficult and that's why we see more and more it's just uh, buses or uh, utility vehicles that are uh, the main victims of this. So. The average person, as COVID kind of is on its way out, is less and less susceptible to these kinds of thefts. Well, is there anything else you guys want to talk to me about in terms of your story or anything like that?
6: Um, Yeah. So I'd say that it's they're estimating that catalytic converter thefts are really, really going to drop in number um, because they've now um, made an automatic service excellence license, um, which is for mechanics to obtain. Under uh, USA Automatic, the license can be obtained from the National Institute of Service Excellence. And it's a pretty lengthy process, it's about two years on the job training you must pass the ASC, the um, Automatic Service Excellence uh, Certification Exam. That actually puts the, the penalty on on the mechanic who does accept the catalytic converter. Um, and actually, we ended up talking to somebody, one of the mechanics from a recycling unit around Raleigh, um, Andrew Sotak. And he said, the average person is less likely to be successful in selling a catalytic converter to us. Even a mechanic has difficulties at times accepting these converters. So, with Putting putting you know more of those hurdles in place for um, people to both sell the catalytic converters and for mechanics to accept them, we really think is going to create um, a dramatic decrease in the amount of uh, you know kind of decrease the incentivization behind people stealing converters.
4: Yeah, and on top of that, we kind of uh, discussed in the media salience section that this is proven to be a seasonal issue, um, kind of motivated by the the you know, the economic factor surrounding it, just like gas prices. Um, When gas prices soar, people tend to get more, um, you know, vigilante or greedy at the pump. So it's really just something that's on its way out.
5: Well, that's about it for this episode of I Am The Triangle. You can listen to this episode Sundays at 6 p.m. or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.
0: Music in this episode has been North Oakland Ecstasy by Squad A B, licensed under the YouTube Audio Library. This has been Janini Kekwa for WKNC Radio. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can listen to more episodes at WKNC.org podcasts, and you can also tune in every Sunday at 6 p.m. to hear new episodes from Eye on the Triangle.